Welcome to Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha, a podcast for and about women of color in STEM. These women are brave, beautiful, and brilliant. Their stories deserve and need to be heard. Their voice strong, their message clear, their experiences priceless. Now let's welcome this wonderful winning woman of color to the show. Hello, and welcome to Stimming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. The main focus of the show is to highlight and showcase the stories of minority women in STEM. It is my belief that if we want to encourage minority girls to pursue STEM careers, they should first hear and learn from those who have lived those stories. It is my job to provide a safe environment for them to do so. So let's welcome this beautiful and vivacious woman in STEM to our show. Hi, our guest today on Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha is Dr. Janelle Davison. Dr. Janelle, as she likes to be called, she received her undergraduate degree in biology from Xavier University of Louisiana. Following her undergraduate studies, Dr. Janelle matriculated to the Pennsylvania College of Op- Ooh, I'm gonna mess it up. Optometry, where she received her doctorate in optometry in 2006. She is the founder and CEO of Brilliant Eyes Vision Center and Premier Dry Eye Spa in Marietta, Georgia. Dr. Janelle and her office have been featured in numerous national optometric optometric publications. She was featured on the 2011 cover of Women in Optometry magazine. Dr. Janelle is a STEM advocate and mentor. Her office is is also a current internship site for the work-based learning program at McEachern High School providing over 5,000 hours of mentorship and healthcare experience for junior and senior students since 2011. She also serves as the CTAE Healthcare Board Advisor for Cobb County Schools. She is a STEM champion for minority youth, co-founding SCORE, or S-C-O-R-E, Inc., a 501c3 nonprofit with her younger sister, Dr. Joya, DDS, their nonprofit aims to expose, empower, and encourage minority high school girls to pursue STEM careers. Since, since establishing or establishment in 2017, the organization has awarded $10,000 in scholarships, and 15 high school juniors have matriculated through the healthcare summer internship programs. Dr. Janelle is a highly respected industry leader serving as a key opinion leader for Lenovis and served as a Georgia Optometric Association Board of Trustee for the Greater Atlanta District in 2014. She is a proud member of the National Optometric Association and an active member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, Rosetta Omega Chapter. She is an award-winning optometrist optometrist receiving the 2018 Xavier University of Louisiana 40 Under 40 Award, 
the 2019 National Coalition of 100 Black Women, Women of Impact Award for Health, and the 2019 Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated Cluster B, uh, Ava Bonner Youth Mentoring Award. Her charitable contributions include annual donations to Must Ministries, Optometry Gift of Sight, the Lions Club, and Score Inc. She is a native of Detroit, Michigan, and is a proud mother and wife of two, a proud wife and mother of two children. So let's welcome Dr. Janelle. She's doing a lot. Let's welcome Dr. Janelle to our show. Hi, Dr. Janelle. Hi, Natasha. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm really good today, and I'm really glad to have you on the show. Um, I can't even wait to talk to you. I have so, <laughs> I'm just, I'm super excited, and I have so much I want to talk to you about. But first, um, as we do with all of our guests, uh, our first, the first thing we ask uh, all of our guests to do is to tell us your STEM story. Sure. But first, I want to thank you for inviting me on, and I want to applaud you getting through that um, bio. <laughs> Optometry, optometric, all those are some hard words. We were joking before offline that um, I have been called everything that starts with the O, but usually it's not an optometrist. So I applaud you because those words are tough. Um, but yeah, my STEM story is... Um, it's a good one. Um, ever since I was younger, I was just talking to my mother not too long ago earlier this week that um, she said I always wanted to be a doctor. Um, my son now currently is ready to go to middle school. We were asking what he wants to do. He doesn't know yet, but my mother said I got in that space at about six or seven and I never left that space. I always wanted to go into healthcare. I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. Um, so I started that journey with my mom kind of exposing me to various aspects of science and STEM. A um, couple Christmases ago, she presented a shadow box that she made, uh, I believe from 1992 or 93, when I was in a girl's summer program. Um, and it was a new program that was for girls, introducing girls to STEM. And I remember I was at a college doing a um, science project in the big STEM lab and the science lab. And it was actually a picture taken. And I was the only little brown girl there. Mm. And it actually made it into the newspaper. And so fast forward 30 years later, my mother presented that in a shadow box. So ever since I was young, that was my goal to be a doctor. And I just kind of worked really hard to, you know, excel in school. I'm not a genius, but I am a hard worker. I think a lot of my friends and family would categorize me as someone who perseveres despite obstacles. And that's what I like to tell my, my youth that I mentor, that this is possible and you don't have to be a 4.0. You know, I did well, but I wasn't a genius by no means. I just worked very hard and I never let um, a closed door deter me from doing something that I wanted to do. Um, I was very um, involved in my education. My mother makes fun of me because I was the one that filled out all my college applications, came to my mom and said, here, this is where I want to go. I just need the checks. So that way we can <laughs> apply to school. Uh, you know, I had everything planned out and my parents, you know, as me being the oldest child, I think that was kind of innate and my parents just kind of followed suit. Um, so I ended up matriculating to Xavier University in New Orleans, which was a um, fabulous experience. And by chance, I went there because I was already accepted to most of the state schools. At first, I was going to stay in state. I had to tour in Michigan State, and I was just overwhelmed with the campus. It was like 40,000 plus students there. You have to take a bus to get from building to building. And just on that tour in my heart, I just knew that wasn't for me. 
Um, but at that time, you know, I, I only applied to pretty much state schools. Mm -hmm. And so my dad, who um, is a retired assistant principal, one of the teachers at his school was talking to him about his, her daughter, who was just graduated from Xavier. And he confided in the teacher that I was interested in becoming a doctor. And she said, well, she wants to be a doctor. She needs to go to Xavier. I'll let her talk to my daughter. They exchanged numbers and I actually spoke to her on the phone. She's now a chiropractor. And to this day, I have yet to meet her. But I spoke to her on the phone 20 plus years ago. And I never heard someone speak so highly of the education they received, the, the community that they experienced, and the self-confidence they had leading that institution. Wow. Um, and I knew this was somewhere I wanted to apply. Um, I wasn't heavily familiar with HBCUs because my mom went to Wayne State at State School. My dad went to Alabama State, but he didn't speak a lot about them. Mm -hmm. And so um, I applied. I didn't think I would get in because I applied late. I didn't really apply until like the top of the year mm -hmm. when most cases you applied for college in the fall. So by January, you know, I already knew I was accepting the ways I was going to go somewhere, but I applied to Xavier in January thinking that there would be no way that I would get in. But the grace of God, I did. I remember that date and I found my acceptance letter not too long ago. Uh, March 9th, I was accepted into Xavier University and wow. I went to my parents and I said, uh, I got in, can I go? <laughs> and um, surprisingly, they let me go because I'm from Michigan and Xavier is in New Orleans. Right. And I didn't know it so, but um, it was a very good experience for me because prior to that, I was in a education study where I got a good education, but I was the only person that looked like me a 90% of my education. In sixth grade, I was the only black girl in the sixth grade class. And then as I matriculated through high school in all the college prep classes, I was usually the only person of color. In the National Honor Society, I was the only person of color. So I was never really around people of color in a school setting that were um, excelling. So going mm -hmm. to Xavier, historically black college university was uh, a game changer for me. Um, and that helped me to regain a lot of confidence, um, just give me the tools and the skills that I need to move forward. And so I moved forward. I ended up going to Pennsylvania College Optometry, which is located in Elkins Park, Pennsylvania. It's basically down the street from um, Temple. Mm. Um, fabulous experience there. Uh, from there, you know, I received my optometry degree and a lot of people don't realize that optometrists go to a specific school. So just like dentists go to dental school, podiatrists go to podiatry school. So for four years, I was learning about the eye and how the eye is connected to the body. Um, and graduated from there, moved to Atlanta um, by way of my husband because I'm not originally from Georgia, um, and settled here ever since. I've been here now um, 14 years. Uh, May would be my 14th year here, my 14th year of practicing. So within a week of graduating, the next Saturday I got married, and the next Tuesday I moved to Georgia. So all my anniversaries are close together. Um, but it's been a fabulous journey. It has not been without any bumps. Um, you know, but I am a person of perseverance and if I have a plan, I just set my mind to it. And sometimes that door opens the first time around. Many times it does not. Um, but I've just been that, that individual who does not give up based on a closed door. And so now I hear where I am today, um, the um, founder and owner of my um, optometry practice, one of the few private um, black owned, female owned private offices in Cobb County. Georgia. Um, and I've been there. I'm celebrating my 10th business anniversary this year. 
and I've been able to grow my patient base from zero, meaning the space that I leased used to be a bank. I built it out, had not one record to my name. And over the last 10 years, I've built well over 15,000 patients in my database. But what really um, makes me feel good is that I made sure that I was giving back to my community. I have so many interns that I have um, come through my office over the years that during this COVID-19 experience, all those young people are reaching out to me, texting me and saying, hey, Dr. Davidson, how you doing? Because they know a lot of doctors have had to close their offices in this time frame to minimize overexposure and unnecessary non-essential care. Mm-hmm. So I'm here today and I'm excited to be on this podcast with you. Anytime I can talk about my journey and uplift any other person, specifically girl of color, I'm always down for it. Well, I I got to tell you that um, you are, um, I feel like we're kindred spirits. <laughs> it's like your story sounds very familiar. It just sounds very familiar. Um, same, same here. Um, so let's talk about, I'll talk a little bit about your nonprofit and, um, and what you guys are doing, doing with it. So give us the lowdown. Okay, yeah. So our nonprofit is SCORE, and it's a um, acronym. It stands for Successful, Confident, Optimistic, Regal, and Engaging. It was founded in 2017 by my sister and I. Uh, my sister is a dentist, and she's my baby sister. We're about five years apart. And SCORE came about because, I mean, we both were doing separate things in our clinics, mentoring girls. But it was through a specific high school. So I felt like girls that I was working with at this specific high school were getting a really good experience that I wanted to be able to give to other young women who are not in that particular high school. But my sister and I were just talking about, you know, how we came up and, you know, we're not first generation college students, but there were no other doctors in our family. So I was a first generation doctor in our family and she's next behind me. So it gets to a certain point where there's not many a lot of people that can relate and that can help. And we talked about how growing up, unfortunately, we did not have a lot of mentors. Mm-hmm. We did not have a lot of people like we're doing. We're just pouring into these girls instead of waiting for someone to ask for help. We're, we're seeing what they're doing and just going and giving them encouragement and texting them and say, how you doing? Nobody really did that for us. And we were just amazed that despite that, somehow we found the energy and the self-confidence within. My sister always says she was lucky because I was her cheerleader, but it was pretty tough for me because I didn't have a lot of people, you know, outside of my mom and dad cheering me on. And we wanted to kind of eliminate some of those hardships, those unnecessary hardships along that journey. Um, Because a lot of people will stop the journey because confidence issues, not necessarily grades. And so that's why we found it score because we wanted to be able to get outside of the the relationships that we have with the schools around us and then be able to impact more girls. The girls that we target, a lot of them, they already know they want to go into STEM and the healthcare field and necessarily smarts or grades, not it. But people have to understand sometimes you could be the smartest girl in the room, but if you don't have confidence in yourself, if you're not groomed on presentation or oratorical skills, some doors may be harder for you to get through because you're so focused on, you know, getting your A in a math class or your science class. So we encompass all those skills and tools that over time we've learned that are necessary in addition to having good grades to just make that journey a little bit easier. So we have numerous platforms. We have an internship platform right now that is physically based on a healthcare aspect of it. We have a mentorship platform. We have conferences and seminars. So we have those um, uh, 
confidence building seminars, exposure seminars. We have panels of women who represent the STEM field that come out in our seminars. We also have an HBCU experience seminar because we are HBCU advocates. We are both graduates of historically black colleges and universities. So we definitely wanna make sure that that is on your radar for girls of color because you get a, a, a valuable experience going to HBCUs. And then um, we have a partnership with Microsoft. We're now working on a partnership that's gonna help with um, uh, financial literacy and um, entrepreneurship empowerment. So we're working on a partnership with Thai Foundation, Global Foundation. So we're just doing all that we can to expose and empower girls of color to pursue STEM careers and just help them along that journey so it doesn't have to be as taxing as it was for my sister and I. Isn't that the truth? So (laughs) that's, and that's why, um, A, that's why I do this podcast is because, um, you know, we do know that there are young girls coming behind us and they need to know our stories and Mm -hmm. learn from them, um, which is, you know, and if we're not talking and because we're busy working, um, and then for some people, it's it's a matter of they they really don't wouldn't mind telling their story, but a nobody's asked, and two they don't feel safe to do it. Mm-hmm. And so um, this this platform is a way for them to do both. So this is a safe space, no judgment here. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I mean, I'm one of you. Uh, I'm a you know STEM advocate, but I'm also uh, um, a, a former engineer who's who worked uh, in the industry for almost 10 years. So I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I know what that struggle is. I know what being the first and only is about. Um, I know the that hardship and just the mental toll that it can take on you. Because mm-hmm. uh, you were right when you when you spoke a little earlier about it not being skill based or talent. It's not that it's the other stuff. It's the other stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if we can eliminate that, um, through our support, through mentorship, through whatever that looks like for a girl, then I'm I'm all about like let's do that. <laughs> I, I totally agree. You know, like I said, most of the girls that I work with is not the skill set. You know, sometimes you know you have to what's on paper. You have to feel that has to match that, and that's what I teach a lot of the girls. You know, if you see paper and they're like, oh my god, you come in and you want to exude what's on that paper, but you can only feel confident doing that if you have someone who's helping you, teaching you, giving you the safe space to learn how to do that. Um, so I, I, I definitely applaud a platform like this and allowing women to tell their stories and feel safe in telling their stories is important as well. So it, so you, I think you said this a little earlier, um, but wanted to just confirm it or maybe not. Um, so did you have, or do you have someone that you consider to be a mentor at this point or, or, or at any point down the, uh, through the course of your career that you, um, you want to tell us about? Well, I don't have as many as I I wish I could have had. Um, unfortunately, sometimes if you're a go getter like myself, a lot of people don't feel that you need help. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like you know, my family, I'm very organized. Um, you know, they call me the queen bee, the queen mother. Other than my mother, it's like okay, we want a family trip. You know, Janelle's gonna get it together, have it down to a T, and I itinerary. <laughs> 
everybody knows what to wear. And so I've always had that hat. So that's a plus and a minus that helps me to do a lot of things that I've achieved. But a lot of times it doesn't open platforms for people to say, hey, let me help you. I'm usually doing a lot of the mentoring. But I did have a couple, um, a husband and wife, um, internal medicine doctors when I was about uh, in high school and middle school, they were members of my church. And uh, I remember vividly, um, they kind of took me under their wing and kind of exposed me to, to medicine. They both were working down at the Henry Ford um, Hospital, which we've been in the news a lot, a little bit lately with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> but the husband was a chief of uh, residence down there. And that's pretty applauding at that time, back, especially back in the 90s, they're uh, African-American couple. They both were physicians. Um, they were let me come shadow them. They let me sit in on rounds with um, the residents that they would do and the students that we do at Wayne State University. And they weren't shy about grilling me. I remember one time I was sitting in a room full of like medical students and doctors and I was like in high school. And, you know, and they were, you know, the husband like, like uh, Dr. Jones is the name. He asked me a question and I never was a person to shy out like, oh my God, I'm a high school student. But I answered the question. And remember afterwards, people come up and ask, talking to me and they thought I was like another medical student. I'm like, well, actually <laughs> I'm in high school. And they're all like, this is amazing. You're actually sitting in on grand rounds in high school. Um, and him and his wife, they did write recommendations for me. So they did expose me to that um, hands-on um, and to kind of help me understand that I did not want to go into that level of medicine, which I, I, do, uh, for that. Right. I don't want the messy stuff. Um, so yeah, I would say in the early phases, definitely. Um, and then once I kind of matriculated, I moved out of New, um, Detroit, I still was able to reference back, especially when I needed, um, uh, references and letters of recommendations, which is important. I teach my interns, you know, to establish those relationships early because you can revert back to those 10, 15 years later to get recommendations and things like that. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, just as I continue to matriculate and go further and further, you know, a lot of times I, I, I'm doing most of the mentoring, which is okay. I, I'm, I'm a person that kind of can refill myself as needed. I know how, how to sit back when I need to sit back. I know to go corner when I need to cry in a corner. I know my limitations. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. Um, and that's one thing my husband says he always admires about me because if I, if I don't know, I don't know. You know, I'm a type of person I'll ask a question for sure. Um, but if you even if you don't mentor me, if I need an answer and I need help, I'm going to ask you if I feel like you can help me. Right. No, I think it's smart and, it, and, it's, and it's good business. So no one person knows everything and, and everyone needs help at some point Mm -hmm. you know it's and it's giving yourself permission to to ask for it you know and feeling like you can that's the other piece yeah I will say this I think mentorship now is more on the radar as a whole I don't remember growing up in the 90s you know late 80s where people were actively mentoring yeah. You know, now young folks will ask you, will you be my mentor? But that wasn't a thing to do, at least in my experience. And maybe it's because where I went to school, you know, it wasn't anybody that looked like me. So nobody honestly was mentoring me. I'll be frank, nobody really cared <laughs> about mm-hmm. me in my school setting. I had to learn how to survive on my own. Um, but I'm noticing a lot of young people that I meet, they have no problem with asking because it's that climate I feel, you know, get a mentor, get somebody, don't reinvent the wheel felt like growing up, it wasn't as many women who have made it looking back in the 90s and 80s and say, hey, let me pull you forward. Unlike today, if that makes sense. No, no, totally, totally agree um, with that uh, mentorship 
you know, it's more informal and, and it's still informal today, but you know, you didn't, you're right. You didn't go up to someone and, and, and was like, Hey, can you mentor me? Like, I don't remember that ever happening. Mm-hmm. You know, there might've been, um, for me, there might've been one or two women who look like me, who I was, you know, able to meet up and mm-hmm. we would do lunch together every now and then. Um, but it wasn't a matter, it wasn't a, like, let me, you know, I, I have some questions. There's some, there's situations happening. How would you, ha- it, yeah, we weren't doing that. none of that. No, <laughs> <laughs> it, we didn't have any day life figured out, but I have so many young girls that'll text me like, I don't know what to do with this class or here are these two scenarios. And we may just be texting back and forth or they'll call. And I'm like, wow, you know, I don't mind doing that. And I'm like, but I just did not have anything like that when I was growing up. No, but isn't it, isn't it, it, I think it's phenomenal that these girls are not shy about asking because, I mean, you know, if we could, if we could learn anything from them, that would be it. It's like, okay, so I know I need help with this, or I think I need help with this. Let me go find somebody (laughs) who can help, you know, who can do that. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have one last question for you, Um, and it's the question that we ask all guests on the show. And it is, if you could go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give and why? So that's a good question. Um, the, I was thinking about that earlier this week when I looked at these questions. What I would tell myself, and this is realistic, is it's okay to be alone. A lot of times when you are the first, and unfortunately t- still in 2020 and 2025, it will still be a lot of us who will be the first, meaning maybe the first woman or the first woman and the first woman of color. It's okay to step out in a out of your box and be the only one and sometimes that's hard um, because you will be alone and it's okay to be alone it's okay to feel lonely that time will pass and you'll be able to look back and say you gain strength you gain um uh confidence from being able to persevere and survive in a setting where a lot of times maybe for a year or a couple years you were the only person that looked like you the only person that can relate to you um don't let that ever be a reason for you not to try an opportunity because there's no one else that looks like you there it's okay to be the first and it's okay to be lonely i i love that advice um because it's sound and it's honest and it's uh, it's it's true so I yeah. really, okay, so I really do appreciate you taking the time to tell us some, give us your STEM story to tell us about um, your nonprofit and all of the good things that you're doing. Um, is there anything that's coming up um, that you want to, want to um, talk about? Well, yes. If it wasn't for COVID-19, we had so many things on the platform that were coming up. You know, we had a conference that we had to cancel for SCORE. Um, But looking forward, like I said, we're starting a partnership with Thai Global Foundation um, that's going to be focusing on minority financial literacy and entrepreneurship empowerment through almost like a think tank, shark tank edition for high school Mm -hmm. students. So we will be submitting um, or posting the application process for girls who are interested in inventing entrepreneurship Um, is a course that you will be in from September to April of next year, where you're actually going to bring an invention to life and you're going to pitch it. And if it's a great invention and you win, you're actually going to get dollars from judges to be able to make that invention come to life. So that partnership is coming about in next few weeks. So look out for that. That's exciting for our nonprofit. And then um, 
for my practice, there's a higher probability that some new things that are going to be um, in store once we get past this COVID-19, specifically dealing with my, um, my eye spa and dry eye treatment. So stay tuned. Awesome. All right. So um, audience, my audience, please let's um, welcome or thank uh, Dr. Janelle for being on the show today. And, and I know that this episode is going to get plenty of likes and listens. Um, so I, I will just um, sign off at this point and tell my audience that I will see you when I see you. Bye. Bye. Hi, everybody. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Stimming in Stilettos. I sincerely hope that you learned something new from our guest today. Remember that you can listen to Stimming in Stilettos anywhere podcasts are found. You can follow us on Facebook at Stimming in Stilettos. You can find Dr. Tasha on Facebook and Twitter at Dr. Tasha 11, Instagram at Dr. Tasha. So until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stimming in Stilettos. Please check out the show notes to get additional information about today's guest or today's topic. You can find the podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find additional information about Dr. Tasha at www.drtasha.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for the latest episode of Stimming in Stilettos.